Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nix, content producer for Label Sessions, and in this episode, Keisha Kijano of Label Sessions talks to Gonzalo Rineri. Gonzalo is a design leader with over 25 years of experience aiding design in transitioning from conventional to symbiotic and sustainable practice. Alongside his own Symbiotic Design Academy, his mission is clear, to practice great design sustainably. Over to Gonzalo and Keisha. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gonzalo. We, we know you as a teacher and a leader of design here at Label Sessions, um, someone who has dedicated 35 years to dreaming design. Um, but could you please introduce yourself to the, the Label Sessions audience? Gonzalo Ineri, I'm a, first of all, I'm a father and husband, uh, which I think is the central core of my, well, everything I do revolves around that. And uh, I try to be a better person every day. I try to have fun every day. Uh, my age, uh, I think I have the, that choice. It's not uh, anymore, uh, I'm not anymore into the career uh, craziness. I've been there, uh, I already went through that uh, stage, and now I'm into uh, taking things more calm. Um, I've been a designer, as you said, for over 35 years and an architect for over 20 years and a uh, design teacher for almost 30 years. And uh, I have a, I'm a, I have a, I'm a designer uh, as, a, as a university degree in visual communication, but also an architect. I studied architecture when I was actually around past my 30th. And I have a master's degree in business, uh, a master's degree in uh, bioclimatic architecture and environmental studies. I have postgraduate business administration, interactive multimedia, bioclimatic architecture, sustainability, and uh, and a PhD PhD in, uh, in design. So basically I've been my whole life working and studying at the same and teaching at the same time. So I think uh, that's more or less a very brief summary of what I've been doing for the last 35, 40 years, studying, working, and having. Wonderful. I mean, here at Label Sessions, we've talked about your your approach to design in the past. Um, I'd like to first touch on your perspective. You've mentioned your auto autocratic perspective. What does What does this mean? And is this an unusual perspective for a designer? Yes, it is. Yes, it's totally different. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit backwards before answering that part of the question because I think it's important to talk a little bit about my more commercial development as a designer. Uh, I've worked for all kinds of organizations, all kinds of companies, institutions, you from really small ONGs to one of the largest mining companies in the world. I've worked for the Bacola Nestlé, AXA, a really, really, really trans, huge transnationals. In all of them, uh, I've seen the good and the bad everywhere. Uh, I've seen uh, really a huge opportunities and sometimes great failures as well. Uh, so after all this time of working, I started wondering what I was doing. 
what was the purpose of the work I was doing. I was, I've been uh, doing uh, work for others. I've been an entrepreneur myself. I had a, I did a film animation festival in the, in the 90s. I, I did a, uh, I, I opened the first uh, online eco shop uh, e-commerce in Chile in like 15, 20 years ago which was one of the uh, best uh, projects uh, for, at that time, uh, on uh, digital media uh, at the Latin American level. Uh, I've, and now I'm, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur again, and uh, I've opened a Symbiotic Design Academy. So, so in that way, I've always wondered and I've tried to innovate in a certain way. During my teaching, I started uh, asking my students well, some relevant questions when they especially and in, in the end of the career because I was a advisor for the students that were almost uh, ready to to come out of the university and start working and I started doing them a very simple question which is what is design uh, and all of them started giving me a totally different uh, uh, answer they they did once uh, were more into the fashion area, others were more into the uh, systemic area, others were more into user experience. And there was this really, really uh, weird definition of uh, uh, what is design. And also uh, of what design was supposed to do as well. Because when we, when we see design, we see it in uh, apparently being applied everywhere. But uh, then is when the, the question, what is design actually started uh, becoming more and more relevant? Uh, and that's when the sustainability, well, I had been working already for a long time for in sustainability. If, if I recall, just remember now, that when I was around 10 or 12 years, I sent a letter to the World Wildlife Foundation. I'm talking to you about End of the seventies, beginning of the yeah, end of the seventies. I was probably twelve years or something like that. Uh, telling them if I could uh, be of some help and if I could help them at uh, trying to make a better world in terms of sustainability. I received a response which was really incredible for uh, because uh, I was in Chile. I sent this uh, uh, letter to Switzerland. I think it was uh, at that time the headquarters and. Uh, uh, they responded. They said, sorry, we don't have any offices in Chile at the moment, but you can always start doing uh, sustainability work by yourself. And here are some, uh, some, uh, some ideas you can you could start working. So I started working on by myself. Sustainability is a tricky question. It's a tricky word. And sustainability together with uh, design is even trickier. So when I started, I asked my students, what is, what is design? They could give me an answer, but there were some things that were in common. But when I started asking them what was sustainable design, that's when really things got weird. And when I started researching about what we were supposed to do in order to do sustainable design, there wasn't really anything very clear. What was mainly, it was focused on material. Uh, until up to the, up to date, it has to do mainly with the material aspect of design, of the corporeal, of the of the of the matter of design. Uh, 
So the question is, well, what is sustainable design? What is sustainability? Then is when I remember term that was developed by Humberto Madurana and Francisco Varela, which has to do with autopoiesis. So now I'm just going back to your question. Uh, autopoiesis uh, is the ability of uh, living beings of uh, self-constructing and uh, self-organizing and self-repairing their uh, frontiers, their components, their organizations, and their... So it's what differentiates uh, uh, living beings, living entities, from non-living entities. And this is something that has been happening for 3.8 billion years. That's a lot of... So what they've been doing is what has kept us alive, what, uh, what is, has made us to be here today. And that is definitely something that which is sustainable. So taking that approach, I said, well, what about was one of my initial uh, questions in my PhD was, what about if we could understand design as an autopoietic system? Niklas Luhmann, which is a sociologist, had done the same question, but for social groups before. He had asked, are social groups uh, autopoietic entities? And, well, he discovered, yes, they are, So, uh, which was very good. It was a very, very good uh, uh, background for my own uh, thesis. And uh, so I did the same work with uh, designers. And the outcome, so I, my, my thesis was based on illuminating design from an autobiotic perspective. When I did that, certain things appear. One of them was that design has frontiers. It's got a certain limit of what it does, what it's capable of, and what it's not capable of. So the, one of the first myths that falls down there is that everything that's around us has been designed. That is not true. Uh, there are a lot of creative processes, but not a lot of them are uh, uh, have been executed by design. Engineering can uh, create things. Uh, medicine can create things. Animals can create things, but they are not designed. Design is a process. It's a it's a it's a a uh, systemic process that has been developed by designers during the uh, development of the discipline. So designers are the ones who design. Other uh, disciplines, they can use design as an input, they can use it as a tool, but design itself is a independent and uh, very well-defined uh, discipline. It has its frontiers, and be beyond that, it's other things. Not better, not uh, worse, just different. So uh, in that sense is the, the approach uh, on why I use uh, design and autobiogesis together and sustainability. No, that's so fascinating. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have never heard that that term before. So thank you very much for explaining that's it. That's why it's really weird. Just as you, you asked me, how, how common it is? It's yep. definitely not common. But it's not common to have this approach. But everything I've told you, and all these components, for example, I was mentioning, and all the frontiers and all the organization I was talking about, it's what design has done. So inside that, uh, I talk about these eight components. And well, the eight components are, you can see them on design. You can see that the uh, literature talks about them. The practice is very often uh, uh, talking about it, or you can see it uh, visualized there. 
uh, it's present there. So it's not something that I invented. I just, what I did is I put the autopoietic lessons on and started observing design. In literature, uh, I did a, around 350 uh, uh, surveys, interviews. Last year uh, in Valencia 2022 was a... Uh, uh, World Design Capital, so people from all around the world came here. I talked to a lot of them, some very, uh, very important designers, and uh, and everything that came out uh, took me to uh, this uh, symbiotic uh, perspective. Uh, of, uh, yeah, wow, no, absolutely, absolutely incredible. I guess kind of there's been a big shift in your work um, and your approach to design. You're talking about sort of the the people, the projects you've worked on before. I guess you've moved from a, a client-based designer to becoming an environmentally focused one. Could you talk to us about your journey and how your and how you came to approaching design in this way today? When we started talking, I told you I've been working for all these really large companies with all these uh, institutions, government, the government Chile, and with the uh, uh, universities and everything. And when you work with them. Even if you're working at a at a uh, uh, with the government, for example, the impact of the work you do is usually very restricted. It's very restricted because it goes in straight into one specific project. Especially if you're working with smaller companies, which is ninety uh, percent of the work we, uh, I was doing. I, I worked with a company. I could help them become a, a B Corp. Uh, Certified or or or, uh, or or sustainability uh, change their their work into more sustainable approach, but the the impact is always very small because of the scale that uh, is around us. Uh, we are almost eight billion people now in the world. So if I work with a company whose client base is uh, five hundred thousand people, which is a lot. Or, or a million, it's it's nothing compared to eight billion. And that's way, and that that's what I started thinking. How can the work I've been doing? How can all the research that I've been doing in design? How can my uh, experience as a designer, as a sustainable designer, as a an educator, have a real impact? Uh, I said, well, then I have to put not the human because we we hear a lot of uh, human-centered design at the moment. The humans are the only ones that design. And inside the humans, designers are the only ones design. Other professions, they can use design as a tool, engineers do, uh, uh, doctors do, uh, dentists do, and the sociologists do. They all use design as, or some aspects of design. And, and uh, as, we, as we as designers also take things from, uh, from other uh, disciplines and our arts and culture as well. So basically, uh, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to start working for the environment, not for my clients, for the environment. That's when I decided I'm, the work I do has to go through an institution, has to go through a client, but my final goal is to impact on the environment in a positive way. Uh, the vehicle is going to be a, a product. The vehicle is going to be a, a system. It's going to be something that a client, that an organization, that uh, someone needs, but it's going to be based on uh, doing the best we can do for the environment. So that's the change 
of uh, perspective. It's not working for the client. Actually, it's working for the environment through a client. And when thinking about making these design decisions with, with this positive impact, and when you're thinking about the environment, what message, how could, what message would you give to other designers? How can designers bring their values to their work? I think the first thing we have to do, uh, which was something that took me certain years actually to do, is to leave your ego at home. Designers, uh, the way the system is built is uh, quite an egocentric uh, a discipline. Actually, we love to sign our, our uh, uh, projects. We, we love to, especially if you are into the this, uh, fashion industry, which by the way, we could talk about that because I think fashion by itself is not a form of design. It's a form of economics, especially marketing because uh, they, 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 what they're looking is as uh, uh, a program obsolescence as fast as possible by something else. And we as designers design for that. We design clothes, we design jewelry, we design handbags, we design cars, we, anything that uh, the fashion industry needs. But this, I, from, from my perspective, the fashion industry is outside and it's requesting from this. Uh, so the first thing is to leave your ego out because what it's all about uh, the environment. It's all about the community you're working for. And especially it's all about the, uh, the, uh, the assignment. You have an assignment as a designer and that's where all the energy should go. So the first thing is forget about yourself, put yourself aside, be simply uh, a guide, be simply someone who's, who's uh, like uh, putting things in place making the right questions and uh, especially uh, take care of relations. To become a good designer, to become a sustainable designer, you have to be aware of relations because sustainability is based on relations. Uh, how communities relate with the company you're advising. How does this company relate with the uh, government. How does this company relate with uh, uh, the law or with uh, materials? Or it's all based on relation, and that's why I, the approach I use is called symbiotic design because it basically in this kind of relation. There we can visualize some relations which are gonna be uh, negative, uh, some which are gonna be uh, basically. Uh, equal for both sides and some which are going to be positive. Uh, but when we start recognizing them and we start understanding them, we can change them. We can change those relations for better. Uh, if there's a, a, a negative uh, relation between a company and the environment, because the company is dumping a lot of uh, uh, oil into the, or any kind of uh, pollutant into the environment, we can change that. But we, first of all, we have to see it we have to recognize it and we have to, to to be to understand how we can based on that there are four things uh that m must be really 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 one of them we have to understand that uh sustainability has to be always present we always have to have the social uh impact uh, because we are impacting uh, not only our final 
not only our clients and not the final user, but also the community we have, and uh, also the the economy. If you see those three are the usually the three pillars were, that are requested as meaning for a, for a socially uh, 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 aware a company: sustainability, social impact, and economics. But there comes the fourth one, which is usually never uh, present, uh, which should be, which is ethics. Ethical thing, an ethical approach towards design is what makes uh, the difference. And it's not my uh, ethics, which is important. In Again, we have to leave ego aside. It has to do the, with an ethical uh, approach towards the environment. All, everything we do must not harm the environment. It must be beneficial. And uh, also it must be uh, ethical with the social groups. You, we can see this, and it's not something I've invented. You can see it on the Human Rights Convention. You can see it on the, the guidelines with the uh, SDGs. That's all already there. You just have to be aware of it and use it. Uh, so when you're... Uh, uh, and, and those are universal principles. They don't have to do very much with the communities because communities, they can also uh, be uh, wrong in a certain way. You have to take into account their community, but you have to uh, uh, put it beside these other more universal rights and see if they uh, coexist. Otherwise, you have to see how you change uh, the community because communities can be very harmful as well. Uh, so in, in that way, yeah, ethic has to be always present. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. Whilst we're talking about sort of bringing sustainability and design together, Thinking about people who are working with or commissioning this design work, how can they be more ethical and sustainable with their choices and their commissions um, when they're working with designers? Or even how can they be more open to kind of ethical and sustainable designers? They have to truly become uh, sustainable. They really have to become uh, environmentally uh, aware of the uh, impact their work uh, outcomes do. For that, they have to research. The most important thing is that you have to be very clear on what you're doing. You have to see the big picture. You have to uh, take a step back and watch what is really happening and what are the impacts of what you are doing. Karel uh, Brandenburg, in, uh, uh, is the IBM uh, uh, chief designer, in in the 2022 uh, World Design uh, Organization Assembly, he gave a speech uh, which evolved around pseudo design. And he said uh, that pseudo design is something that looks like design, but is not design. Uh, the difference, basically, that he, he stated was that. Uh, Sedo design doesn't do any research. So if you really want to do uh, uh, design, 
you must do your homework. You must take research as one of the bases in order to uh, be aware of what you're doing, in order to take informed decisions, because you, you can believe you're being sustainable, because you trust, for example, uh, a, a, a certificate. Uh, when you go and buy wood for building a chair, and the, the, the wood maybe brings a small stamp that says, we are uh, uh, green certified. Okay, green certified by who? Uh, which is a very basic uh, example. But if you don't do research, you don't do uh, uh, the right questions, probably you're not doing uh, design and certainly you are not doing sustainable design because there are many things that you don't see. And if you don't see them, you can't change. If you don't change them, then you are doing the same design we have been doing since a really long time ago. And we know the way we've been doing design is not working. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the climate crisis we have. We wouldn't be in the, in the we wouldn't have COP28 right now trying to figure out what to do with our environments. So basically it has to do with that research. I like that as a piece of advice to others as well. Um, I guess before we move on to the quick fire questions portion of the episode, I'd love to ask you, who's your who's your favorite designer and, and why? Designers who take their, uh, their work seriously. I think uh, anyone who's doing research for me is a good designer. And more, I, more than talking about a specific uh, designer, uh, I, I, I rather think of a project because uh, I think right now I'm doing a really sustainable uh, work, but in my past I wasn't uh, as sustainable. And if you see the career of anyone, they have ups and downs, especially in terms of sustainability for many reasons. For, for, for you have to pay the bills, you have a family to sustain, you have a, because the, the, you're going through a crazy era, whatever. They're, they're, so, but there's a project which I really, really love and which I think took design and especially in, inside design. For me, the architecture is a sub-discipline of design it's as, a, as a discipline. It's a, inside there, you can see a small bubble, which is architecture. Uh, and there's a, there's a project in the north of Chile which was done by Elemental, which is a, 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 a architecture firm which is associated to University in Chile, to Universidad Católica, which is called. Uh, this project is about social housing, uh, which is a, a, a which this 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 architecture firm is a, is a, a guided by Alejandro Lavena. Uh, Alejandro Aravena is a 2016 uh, a Prize uh, uh, winner, so he's like the noble. Uh, that's a noble of uh, of architecture. What he did was uh, basically they their approach towards architecture, especially in social housing. Uh, the largest uh, limitation it's budget. Anywhere, anywhere in the country you go. The problem with uh, architecture is the budget because it, we're talking about huge budgets. A house, to, to build a house or to build a, a, a complex of houses, it's something which are we're talking about millions of millions. So, so the budgets are really huge. 
and usually uh, they're very small and very limited. And so we, we have to, with the same budget, you have to buy the, the, the land, you have to build, you have to uh, uh, pay the, the fees for all professionals, uh, uh, everything that has to do with connecting uh, the, the houses to the, to the uh, services, electricity, water. And uh, Elemental was working on this project in the north of Chile, and they uh, decided that the biggest part of the budget uh, was going to buy the terrain of this slum where they were, with whom they were working. There, there was this group of families which were living in the center of Iquique, uh, which was a privileged and very expensive area to have a slump. So uh, the owners, of course, wanted to take it. And of course, they, the people wanted a house because they were living in a slump. So the approach of this office was basically, let's put all of our money, all of the money of the project, not all, but the most amount on buying the land because that is the biggest asset we can give them because the these people all their uh, relations are uh, uh, their jobs are two blocks away the uh, this uh, there there's uh, uh, the kids go to some of the best schools in this city because they're two blocks away from the from the school so they decide okay let's put the most amount of the uh, uh, to buy the land, and let's make a house, let's just make half a house. So they made, and you can see it, it's literally half a house. And what they say is that we can't change the location. If we change them, if we take them to the outskirts of the city, and in and in, uh, in uh, Iquique especially, it's the, 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 the city is in a very narrow area between a huge uh, cliff, and the sea, so it's very small space, and this uh, all this slump eradication were going up the hill, so it's like a one hour and a half trip by bus. So they decided to leave people down there, and give them just a half of the house. I think that project really what they did is they privileged uh, relations. That's why I think. Well, actually, that's one of the reasons why Elemental and Alejandro Lavena won the uh, Pritzker Prize because. They really made a twist. They could have done really nice uh, exotic houses from an architecture perspective, but they took the ego out. They, re uh, they did not really nice houses, but the project it's, was the best solution for that people. Fascinating. I have to look up more about it after, after this recording. Um, we've reached the end part of our podcast, so we'd like to do a quick... Some quick fire questions. So we've understood your ideas, we've understood your story, but we we kind of want to know what's going on in your brain. So we have just a few quick fire questions, like a speed round, we'll call it. Um, okay. I'll dive straight in. So uh, question number one: How would you describe your taste in interior design? Eclectic. I think uh, I I don't go for a specific uh, uh, eclectic and practical. Uh, I, I don't go for a specific style. I, I love Nordic design uh, for interiors. I love it. But I've, I, I'd rather have objects that tell me a story. Like everything in, 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 in our house, we can, we can tell when we bought it, where we got it, or how we inherited it. It's got a story. So in a certain way, it's a, a, a 
a mix of everything. It's very eclectic. And we have a space for the really ugly things. We we put them all together. But when they're all together, they really look nice. So. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I'll take that in. Um, question number two. Uh, do you enjoy cooking? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the cooker of the family because... And I don't have any recipes. I, I have a dish and every time comes out totally different. Sometimes I burn things, sometimes I don't. But uh, every time I do, I do, I cook something, it, it comes out different. And, I, and I, yeah, I love it. It's like, it's like pain with its chemistry, or it's like a, yeah, it's like a small adventure. I like that an adventure. Um, question number three: What makes someone a good traveling companion? Someone who's uh, willing to stop the bus and get uh, help down. Someone who's willing to take the wrong uh, train, even when you know you're taking it because you don't know where it's going. Someone who's uh, willing to take the uh, travel as an adventure, as, as the experience itself. And if we don't reach our uh, our destiny, who cares? We had a nice time uh, during the travel. And that's what really counts. In another life, what would your career be? Can I answer that in the next life? <laughs> I, I enjoy what I do. So I probably will be the same. Yeah. If I have a different experience, probably would be different, but that's going I'm gonna ask you that in my next reincarnation. Question after that then would be what was the first work thing you are really proud of? Every time I finish a work, I'm extremely proud of it. When I see them after a few years, I'm really ashamed of them. <laughs> It's like, it's like I look at them and I say, how could I have done that? But when I finish them, they're incredible. But yeah, yeah, experience, getting a, getting a, get more experience, it's, it really, you can see your faults. But what I'm, every time I finish a product, I try to do my best. And uh, so that's what I think is important. Yeah. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think the first one has to do with uh, uh, words create magnetic fields. Whatever you say has an impact on uh, on the other side. So uh, I've learned how to, uh, or at least I try to select very uh, clearly what I say, especially uh, uh, when I'm dealing with very delicate uh, uh, issues. I, I try to select my words very properly to avoid misunderstanding. That's I think that's the first one, and the second one is try to get focused. When when you try to uh, embrace too much, even though my design uh, approach is a totally holistic, systemic way, I try to uh, narrow it down so that in order to define what is really relevant and what is really important, the rest is gonna evolve. You want it or not. So you have to really uh, get focused and put all your uh, energy into what is really important. And we have the final question, and it's a question that we ask everyone here on the podcast. So, Gonzalo, on a scale of 1 to 10, how weird are you? From my opinion or from someone else's opinion? <laughs> if you ask someone, they're going to tell you it's a 1. If you ask other ones, they're going to tell you it's a 10. I would, I would love to see myself in the 5, but I think I'm more tending into the 10. Uh, yeah, I, five is like the ideal, but I, I think I'm more closer to the ten than to the five. I've, I've I've always been kind of the black sheep in the. 
I think with that one, at least you're, you're self-aware that you'd like to be a five, but you're self-aware enough to know that it's maybe a little bit higher yep. than that. Thank you so, so much for your for the time, for the insights, and for perhaps introducing a, a concept about design and sustainability that some of our, our audience might have never thought about. So it's something for them to ponder on and reflect on. So thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.